welcome to the Parent Talk podcast for primary years. And it's great to be joined in this session by Rob Parsons and by Madeleine Stanimeros. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And today we're looking at the subject of sibling rivalry. And as usual, we have a scenario uh, that we want to share with you and then we're going to talk about. And this is, this is it. I have two boys who seem to argue with each other the whole time. One is particularly sensitive, while the other always puts up a good defence. It's so hard to know how to sort it all out as I haven't always witnessed what started the argument in the first place. I just end up telling them to go to different areas of the house to cool off, but it doesn't seem to stop them bickering again within minutes. Never mind world peace, I can't even get house peace. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but certainly sibling rivalry was the thing that used to drive me around the bend more than anything else as a parent. So, yes. Madeleine, how does that work for oh, you? Oh, yes. If I could have cut this out of family life, I'd be such a nice person. <laughs> well, I, I think that so often we become fearful of our little one's squabbles, but in, in some ways they're a training ground, aren't they? If you... If you don't experience conflict, you won't learn conflict resolution. And I think perhaps for me, I just jumped in too much when they were small. And then I learned that actually standing back a bit, being more of a life coach and less of a bouncer was actually probably helpful to uh, let them sort of carry on. And, and often I would say, well, if you want to carry on that squabble, you might want to take that into the garden or into the lounge or you know, keep the environment how you want it, but allow them to finish their confrontation. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're right. I think that um, sibling rivalry is part of family life, isn't it? It's, mm. I used to imagine that we'd have this peaceful house and they'd all get on wonderfully, but they're different and, mm. and they're, going to, they're going to squabble. Well, I think the great thing about a podcast like this um, is someone out there is a mum and a dad and they think they've got the worst kids on the face mm. of the earth. They're always squabbling. The honest truth is, as far as I can work out, this is life. Mm -hmm. If you have kids, they're going to fight each other. They're going to be at each other's throats. You've got my this, he's got my that, he's just pinching me. In our experience, this wasn't unusual. This was daily life. Mm -hmm. And the trick was to work out when to intervene mm -hmm. and when not to. Mm -hmm. But the thought of possibly obliterating it, well... If I can find a book on it, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think some families do have children that get on well. Mm. Um, we got four children. Our oldest two used to fight tooth and nail. I used mm. to not be able to leave them in the same room without there being blood-curdling yells. Mm. But I think you're right, Rob. Well, by and large, it is part and parcel of life. And what, Madam, what do you think by and large causes um, sibling rivalry? Well, uh, we, like you, <laughs> have got two that, that will go to each other hammer and tongs, and the rest of them actually are relatively peaceable. And I think what we worked out, that one of them is a very logical person. Everything's done on the logical plane. And the other one, he's a feeler. Everything's done about feelings. So long as the logical one could keep it on logic, the feeler was lost and he'd win the day, you know. And so it was trying to help the logical one see what, what would that have felt like to him and try and get them listening, hearing each other, understanding each other. And it's a journey. It isn't, there isn't a one-hit wonder solution. Otherwise, there would be a book and we'd all have it. And sometimes, and that is great when they're a little bit older, enabling them to do that. But sometimes it's a two-year-old and a three-year-old fighting over because they both want the red engine or I think that when I talk about them always fighting, <clears throat> I think I'm really talking about that kind of age. Two, three, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, exactly that. That's my red engine. I think what we found was we had a testing child, Lloyd, and a compliant one, Katie, 
And so we kind of often assumed, and it did seem apparent that Lloyd was the one who was always instigating it, he was the worst. It wasn't until later in life we discovered that actually Katie was quite a little sneak. Mm. And she used to kind of, you know, oh, oh, Lloyd, don't pull the rabbit's tail, mummy wouldn't like that. And she was, you know, she would do that. I once heard him say to a friend, uh, if your sister hits you, never hit her straight back. They always catch the second one. <laughs> and and, and it, it took us a while to realise that we were too quick to blame mm. Lloyd for things. Mm. Uh, and actually there was, there was more going on. He was much more overt. Um, mm. Yeah. I think that's interesting about being too quick. I think you mentioned it, Madeleine, just now mm. about sort of getting in there too quickly and trying mm. to sort it out. Do you think that's a danger sometimes? I do actually, because I think sometimes they can they can get to a conclusion on their own, and as you say, sometimes they they can't, and they do, it's working out where to intervene and where not to. And I think always jumping in sends them the message: when we get going, she gets going, and we can really wind her up. And I don't think they sit there thinking, "Let's wind her up." I think they're just intrinsically wired to get attention from anywhere they can at any point. And so they know that having a good old bash means that you're going to have to put down your phone call or your email or your dinner or whatever it is that you're doing and attend to them. And I think actually sending the message that actually that doesn't get my attention. You can go there and you can finish that off and I'll finish off what I, you know, I'll take care of me and you take care of you. Yeah. Unless, of course, there's a case yeah. for Yeah, I think there are some kind of places where you intervene, don't you? Um, we don't allow you to hit each other. Mm. We don't allow you to bite each other. That occurred with a couple of my grandkids the other day. We don't call each other stupid in this mm. house. They're kind of things where they know if they cross that boundary, mum and dad will intervene. Mm. But mm. in a sense, to let them get on with at least some of it and keep your head down as much as possible, as you've suggested, mm. I think is wise. And that means they grow up knowing that conflict happens and that there are strategies mm. to work it out. I grew up in a home where I never saw conflict resolved. Mm. So as a parent, I find it really hard to know how to help our kids you know, resolve conflict. And I think we do them a great service if we, if we help them do that. Well, I think you've just mentioned something that's really significant, actually. We need to resolve conflict in front of them. So actually, as adults, we need to model conflict resolved and, uh, resolve, and we need to be able to say to our husband or wife, do you know, I'm sorry, I was a bit rough on you just then, Ooh. in front of the children and show them that actually peace can be restored. A bit of humility doesn't actually kill anybody. Do you know, I think that's very powerful. Some people say that couples shouldn't row in front of their kids, and I don't think that's right. It, it won't hurt kids to see mum and dad having a row, but what is important is to see how they how they resolve that mm. and even even within the conflict how they deal with each other mm. and and that is very powerful and the thing about saying sorry I, I once came across a father who said I would never apologize to my children for anything Ooh. now you can fear a man like that but it's hard to respect him yeah so yeah. I think those are very very important They're points helpful, yeah just just going back to the the kind of testing child the compliant child mm. um, <clears throat> Lloyd said to me when he was about 14 he said dad I don't believe this now but when I was little, I sometimes think you loved Katie more than me. Mm. And I said, I said, I understand that because whenever I was trouble you in the middle of it, and I know that Katie will sneak us to shove some of her trouble onto you, but it's an interesting idea. Mm. And what I'm sure about is we should never compare kids. Mm. We should never be saying, why aren't you more like your sister? Why aren't you more like your brother? Yeah. I think if we do that, we drive wedges between mm. them mm. that sometimes they never recover from. Uh, 
even mm. in adulthood. Mm, and also good. not necessarily, um, this is probably a slightly different point, but not necessarily taking their word for whatever the issue is. Because mm. um, I think you mentioned before, but there's, there's two sides nearly mm. always and um, the one that comes running will be the one that we hear first and mm. I know my default was always to then tell the other one off without really yeah. listening to what's really yeah. gone on mm. um, and there was something that caused that spat um, and so what, what about um, so we were talking about resolving conflict in front of them what about for single parents because there'll be mm. people listening to this who are parenting on their own how, how mm. do um, what, what are some tips that we can give single parents on this well I think it's you know, it's, 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 it's hard. I think we simply must stand by the single parent in that incredible mm, job mm. that they do. And it's hard because it's, it's looking after kids and setting boundaries and sorting out the squabbles is just physically exhausting, mm. uh, uh, isn't it? But I think that the similar principles are there. Um, perhaps single parents have to, even more than others, choose their battles because they're, they're trying to do it all themselves. You can't intervene on, on, on every fight. And I actually think we all need help. Actually, not just single parents. Every parent needs a couple of friends that they can mm. talk to about this mm. and get some support. Mm. And if we could talk about this stuff, most people don't need clever answers. They need to know they're not alone mm. and, and they've got some support in it. And I, I think we must be that to single parents and single parents need to be that to other friends mm. as well. Okay, so it is, you know, 5.30, what we used to call the happy hour when everyone's tired <laughs> and grumpy and all the rest of it. And um, your four-year-old and six-year-old are, are just, you know, having a real row and, you know, getting really mad with each other mm. in the other room and come running in. What are some strategies that we can have that can help us sort that out? Well, yes, they're hungry and tired, aren't they? I, I, th I mean, I think I do tend to default to, you know... I'm happy for you to continue that conversation, but not in here. But if it, if it really, you know, carries on, we did have a strategy that worked for us. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but personally, I actually find it draining when they argue. And I do like them to be aware that there are consequences to arguments on the atmosphere of the whole house. So sometimes I would say to them, do you know, I'm just finding this all a bit draining and um, it's just robbing me of all my energy. I think I'm going to have to get you to give me a bit of a hand after dinner to hoover the lounge or do the bathroom. Or Some people might find that a bit brutal, but at least they knew there was a knock-on effect to the choice that they were making. And what happened next time they were having a row? Well, <laughs> they were rowing shortly after that. And I can remember I said, oh, I was going to clear the leaves in the garden. They're like, oh, we're good, we're good, we can work this out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You should try that with the United Nations. <laughs> should do, should do, yeah. yeah. What about you, Rob? You well, right? I think it's this business of, of choosing your battles, and I think consequences are, are right. I was watching Lloyd the other day, and he, and he said to his little one, you do that one more time, you, you, you know, and you'll be on that thinking step. But you have to be prepared to carry through with yeah, it. They have to be enforceable, yeah. So, so, so choose your battles, and then if there are going to be consequences, make jolly sure that you can fulfill them because it's, mm. it's better not to, not, not to threaten it. But mm. I think they need sometimes, if they cross that boundary, you know, it might be the way they speak to each other badly or use words you don't want them to use or hit each other or they mm. cross that boundary and there's that consequence. Mm. But best to choose your battles wisely because you can't fight everyone with the same intensity. You can't fight them all. And what I would clarify with consequences is I wouldn't say if you carry on the argument you hoover the lounge. No. There's no link. There has to be a mm. logical link. So mm. If you carry that argument on, it drains me. Mm. 
I won't have the energy to do the lounge. Otherwise, it's just a random punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. And I think and there are I think there are different rules. I don't know if you you agree. For in the home and out of the home. In other words, in the home, you're prepared to let some stuff go. But I don't think we need to let it go if they're in somebody else's home, mm. or if they're in a cafe or a restaurant, or if they're in a, a school playground. The the standards are higher then. They they need need to know that they can get away with some stuff in the home. They're not going to get away with in somebody else's yeah. home. Yeah, it impacts the whole right? environment, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that's of course, the funny thing about kids is. And annoying too is that suddenly you'll meet somebody in the supermarket and they say, oh, I had your Johnny roll for tea with Susan. Don't they get on well? That's They're wonderful. absolutely delighted. you sure you got the right kids? <laughs> yeah. I wish I had known when I was a little that conflict isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing. There's some amazing research um, that was done on a whole load of young children and they were um, measuring their stress reaction when their parents argued. And um, the stress wasn't caused by the arguing it was caused if it wasn't resolved. Oh, so the actual yeah. argument itself wasn't such a deal. It was actually the resolving it mm. and doing that in front of them. It was good. And um, we're all going to be there, you know, having them rowing. But um, that's some really helpful strategies. And sometimes it's the quick wins. If they're hungry and tired, give them some food, mm. you know. A little sugar hit. <laughs> Are we allowed to say sugar? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Jamie Oliver says. But yeah, excellent. Well, Madeline and Rob, thanks so much. Thank you. That was really, really helpful. And um, if you have a scenario that you would like to uh, send to us at Care for the Family and that we use on these podcasts, we'd be delighted to send you a copy of my book. Um, if you forget everything else, remember this, Parenting in the Primary Years. So that's all for now. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Parent Talk podcast for the primary years. For further information about our courses, resources and events, please visit us at carefortheFamily.org.uk. Thank you.